40 days ago, this room was full of hundreds of people. Candles flickered at the end of every pew, garlands of evergreen and lush poinsettias decorated the altar. Families and friends and strangers alike crammed into the pews. And a lone soprano began that first verse of once in royal David's city that for so many of us heralds the beginning of Christmas. We heard familiar stories of Mary and Joseph, angels and shepherds and the babe lying in the major. We heard too that great promise from the prologue of John's gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us as a light that shines in darkness that the darkness could not overcome. It's magical, those words, that night. And I can imagine that if you're anything like me, it seems a really long time ago. 40 days seems like a year ago. Life has moved on, the decorations have come down, and we've returned to life as it is, such as it is, ordinary time in every sense of the phrase. But then in the midst of this ordinary time comes this holiday, this candlemas, this feast of the presentation, 40 days after Christmas, and it's like a little taste of Christmas again. In the midst of stories of Jesus' adult ministry, we interrupt the regularly scheduled programming to return to a story just moments after his birth, brief 40 days, Mary and Joseph take their child up to the temple, to Jerusalem, to present him to the Lord. It starts as a perfectly ordinary thing, as so many moments of spiritual significance seem to start. Mary and Joseph are simply doing what the law commands, what all new parents are meant to do. The law asks, commands that all firstborn sons be presented to the Lord in this way. And so they go. And that sacrifice they make in the temple that they offer in thanksgiving for their son's arrival, it's ordinary too. The approved substitute for those of modest means who could not afford the year-old lamb that was actually required the two turtle doves or young pigeon are the approved substitute for the common folk, as ordinary as it gets. It doesn't stay ordinary, of course. Simeon and Anna, those wise elderly prophets in the temple, see to that, proclaiming this baby to be the long-awaited Messiah, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of his people, Israel. We're told that Mary and Joseph are amazed. I love that. Even after Gabriel's visit, even after shepherds tell of a heavenly host blazing across the night sky, even after all that, they're still amazed, still taking it in what all this means, still figuring it out where all this takes them. That is, I hope, a word of hope to you and to me. 
if Mary and Joseph, who have seen all that, if they are amazed and are still taking it all in, that this Jesus is the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness, if they're amazed, then it's okay for us to be taking it all in too. It's okay for us who are still on our own journeys of faith. It's okay for us to wonder, to ask questions, and to sometimes have our doubts. It's okay for Mary and Joseph wondered too. We don't ever do this faith thing alone. We always do it together. But the faith we share, the faith that we remind one another of, is that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, is that that baby grew up to be the man that Simeon and Anna foretold that he would be, a man who taught with authority, whose very words were like light breaking into a dark world, who fed the multitudes and healed the sick, whose actions were like light breaking into a dark world. Jesus, our radiant King, shines with an uncreated and an eternal light, revealing the very heart of God. Going to the cross, just as Simeon predicted, with a passion that would pierce his mother's soul and heart, Christ reveals the height and the breadth and the depth of God's saving love for us. And rising from the dead, in the dim light of that first Easter morning, he reveals the shimmering promise at the heart of everything, the shimmering promise that holds the cosmos together, that nothing can separate us from God's love, nothing can quench God's light. Not the mistakes we make, not the fear that holds us back, not even death itself. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can extinguish God's light. Friends, we come to this temple week in and week out, tonight and in all the weeks to come, to be reminded of that truth and to bask in that light so that we would go forth from this place, back into the ordinary places of our lives, changed. Mary and Joseph and Jesus head back to Nazareth, changed, so that the story can unfold. And we too head back to our Nazareth, head back to the ordinary places in our lives, the places that can seem sometimes dark, to let our stories unfold changed by the truth we see in this place. Praying that God's light would light our way and cheer our hearts that we would be lights for one another. We go back to the ordinary places remembering that God goes with us. We go back to the ordinary places, but we don't have to go back to our ordinary selves. We don't have to go back to our old, ordinary selves. For we've seen the light, and Jesus has shown us a better way. We've seen the light, and we walk in the light of God's love. 
We've seen the light, and we're called to be the light, to shine and to live and to love like Jesus. And when we do that, friends, when we see and then take out the light of Christ, the ordinary, the ordinary is revealed to be what it really is, shot through with the glory and shimmering glory of God. The ordinary can become as magical as Christmas.